Hello friends and welcome to the podcast. We're in season one. We are going to look at a bunch of stories of people's prayer lives who have ushered in a move of God. A move of God in a nation and a city, but also a move of God in places like a school, a university and a workplace. As we contend for revival in our generation, these people have inspired my own prayer life and encouraged me to contend in prayer for revival in our cities and nations. It's my prayer that in the moment when perhaps we feel unmotivated to pray or we wonder if God is even listening, that the stories of these powerful yet very ordinary people will inspire us to continue to pray, to contend for encounters with Jesus and to walk in His power in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Erin Planner, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us in episode one. Woohoo! It's a bit exciting. Um, I think sometimes when we think about intercession, and maybe even as you were reading that the, what this podcast was going to be about, um, you heard intercession and you thought of a bunch of women, often like older saints in the back cold, dark room of a basement or some forgotten place of the church praying very, very faithfully. Maybe it's just me, but I do think that sometimes that is the image that we have when we think intercession. But honestly, as I've read and researched, I've been so inspired by the people that I've come across. And honestly, they're anything but boring and they're anything uh, but caught up in some small back room of the church. They're often at the forefront of what is happening in the move of God. And the revivalist intercessor I would love to introduce you to today is only 15 years old. But before I get too much into the detail, let's start at the start. So if you've ever studied uh, about revivals, you have most probably studied the revival that hit a small group of islands off the west coast of Scotland called the Hebrides. This happened in 1949 to 1952 and was led by an evangelist by the name of Duncan Campbell. He initially came to the Isle of Lewis for a two-week evangelistic campaign and then ended up staying there for over two years. Don't you love it when uh, the Lord just messes up your plans <laughs> and has his own plans? Um, but behind the outpouring, before Duncan even arrived in the Hebrides, there was a lot of people engaging in hidden intercession or ha- having prayer altars uh, in their homes, which we will talk about another time. Um, but if you've studied anything about intercession that starts revivals, you probably have also heard Uh, about the Hebrides and two women named Peggy and Christine Smith, who were sisters, who were very instrumental in ushering in this move of God. Uh, But it's not these two that we want to talk about today, although we will get to them because their prayer lives are absolutely epic. But I want to introduce you to someone who is less well-known. And yes, as we were saying before, he's only 15 or 16 years old at the time, but his prayers... Uh, saw heaven open up over geographical regions um, and his name is Donald. And Donald was saved in the Hebrides revival at a time when it was described that the fire of God was sweeping through the land from one district to another. Um, A little while ago we had some uh, very serious bushfires in Victoria, Australia and my dad was part of the CFA who was fighting it and the video footage that he took Um, in the middle of that, just watching this fire roll through. It wasn't even burning through. It would catch in the wind and then it would move like kilometres at a time. It was undescribable, honestly, the videos that that he was sending me. But I just have that image when I think of like a revival fire sweeping through from district to district um, in Scotland at the time. And this is where we see Donald and we meet Donald. So he was 15 years old. Um, as he became what they called a frontline prayer warrior. So he met Jesus during the Hebrides revival and 
soon after became, if you look at the timeline, soon after became what they called a frontline prayer warrior at 15 years old. I just love that. I love that so much. Um, What really captivated me was the intensity of Donald's intimacy with Jesus and how he seemed, although say for a short amount of time, as we would say, to know Jesus so, so well. And you, I think you're going to love that component of him. Um, there is one account where Duncan Campbell calls on uh, Donald at his home. So think of we are talking rural Scotland. We're talking like barns and animals and all that sort of thing. So Donald used to have his prayer time in the lo- the barn that was on their property. Um, so it's cold, it's wet, it's all the things, but he is meeting there with Jesus. And Duncan Campbell goes to his house one day to, um, I don't know, maybe invite him to something. I'm not really sure what the purpose was. Um, and they say, yeah, you're going to find Donald in the barn. He's praying. So Duncan Campbell goes into the barn on the property and interrupts Donald while he's praying. And this is Donald's response to Duncan Campbell. He said, oh, excuse me, excuse me, uh, Mr. Campbell, but I'm having an audience with the king. So he literally is like, please don't interrupt my prayer time. I'm meeting with the king right now. Um, and Duncan Campbell was leading a huge – he would have been a person of of a lot of spiritual influence. Um, he was leading a revival at the time. But, you know, Donald knew what the priority was. He didn't want anything to interrupt him from the audience that he was having with Jesus, which I just think is so cool. Um, they documented a number of vivid outpourings of the Holy Spirit that happened when Donald was asked to pray. One account of this was at a police station in Barbas. He stood one night clasping his hands together and just uttered one word, Father, and everyone was melted to tears as the presence of God invaded the building. Wow. Can you just imagine that? Like they're standing, I think they were in the police station at the time in Barbas um, or maybe outside. And they asked Donald to pray and all he said was father and then the presence of God just invaded the building. Wow. I think sometimes we often like think we need to pray long and lofty prayers and we need to have the right scriptures and just Donald's intimacy with the Lord um, was the thing that saw his presence invade. Absolutely incredible. Uh, One of the most outstanding examples I think of the anointing that God placed on Donald's life happened at a small island named in a small island named Benura. If you are Scottish, please feel free to uh, correct my pronunciation. Um, where Duncan Campbell was assisting a communion service, so he'd gone to Benura and he was doing a communion service. And it's recorded that the atmosphere during that communion service was very heavy. I don't know if you've ever been in meetings where it's just like, man, this is a really heavy atmosphere today. So that's what Duncan Campbell was facing, quite a bit of opposition. Um, He sent to Barvis uh, for the praying men to come and assist him. So basically Duncan Campbell had a group of what were called the praying men of Barvis. Um, I love that. And they would come and they would sometimes intercede before Duncan Campbell went somewhere to break – break some of the strongholds and I guess make the ground the ground really soft so that when Duncan came to preach there was um you know soft hearts over that area region or city um he would they would intercede for him anyway so he basically is in this communion service and the atmosphere is like super heavy so he's like go get the praying men of Barva so someone goes and gets the intercessors they come there um so these praying men are praying and it says even with these um you know, trusted men of prayer, there was still oppression um, that was happening. So halfway through 
basically the sermon, Duncan Campbell just stops preaching. I think that's so interesting. He's like, no, this isn't working. Something's not right. I'm going to stop preaching. And as he stops preaching, he says at that time, um, Donald is in the service with him. He looks down uh, from the pulpit and sees Donald visibly moved under a deep burden for souls is what it says. And then Duncan Campbell in his in his notes writes down, um, that boy was more in touch with God and living nearer to the Saviour than I was. That's that's Duncan Campbell talking about Donald. So it says that he leads over the pulpit at that moment and says, Donald, would you lead us in prayer? And Donald rises to his feet and he prays and he references Revelations 4.11 that he'd been reading that very morning, it says. And I love that because it talks to his intimacy again being something that's like daily. And Donald's, this is Donald's prayer. It says, oh God, I seem to be gazing through an open door. I see the lamb in the midst of the throne and the keys of death and hell at his girdle. He begins to sob and then he lifts his eyes towards heaven and cries, Oh God, there is power there. Let it loose. And says the spirit of God swept into the building with the force of a hurricane and the floodgates of heaven were open. It talks about the church, that they're, the building that they're in at that time being split in two. It says one half of the building, people literally threw their hands up in the in in the air and their hands got like frozen up there for two hours. Um, they were trying to pull their hands down. They couldn't actually pull their hands down. Um, so for two hours, they just remained with their hands like in the air. And it says the other half of the church basically um, fell over, like slumped over the <laughs> slumped over the front of the of the seats in front of them, which is so epic. Um, and they said there was so many, there was other things that were happening that were like unexplainable. Um, but again, a very a very uh, simple prayer that came from intimacy and a perception in the spirit of what God was trying to do and then an authority to actually release it. So he it says, oh God, there is power there. So he could see it and let it loose. He commanded it and then God did it. Um, amazing. So there's a couple of things that I think encourage me about Donald that um, I would I would love to grow in. So first of all, I think uh, he was saved during the revival. So this is what I love about Donald. Um, God chose him not because he was most biblically literate or because he was the most mature in Christ, but because he was completely sold out and in love with Jesus. You can hear that, you know, even when Duncan Campbell came to find him, his heart is so, is totally for the Lord. This really, I think, encourages us that, you know, God wants to use our prayer lives to um, see his spirit move in a city or a nation. It's not about how long um, we've been saved for or, you know, how much of the Bible we understand. It's, you know, God's grace that he wants each and every single one of us to partner with what it is that is his heart for our city and our nation. It's God who qualifies us, um, not any good works or, um, yeah, number of years in Christ. He's just looking for sold out hearts for him. And that super encourages me and qualifies all of us. Um, the second thing is that I think that really stands out through Donald's testimony of his life is that God wants to use all ages. Um, in the Hebrides revival, the Lord used like Peggy and Christine Smith, who were in their 80s, to usher in the move of God. And then he also was using youth um, to see 
kingdom released. It's so biblical. Like they estimate that Esther was only 15 when she went to the king to petition on behalf of her people. Daniel and his friends, it talks about them being in their late teens, early 20s. And I just love that revival prayer is cross-generational. That makes me so happy. Um, and I think, yeah, there's a, there is a place and a need for every single generation um, in the space of praying for revival. There's some other cool testimonies um, that you can read in the accounts of what happened in Scotland, but it talks a lot about meetings where young people would um, – be saved and have these radical encounters with Jesus and then they go back and like bring their headmaster or their teacher to come to the prayer meeting like the next night. They were often running consecutively in a town for a, for a season and um, there's this one account that I was reading where these two young girls, I think they would have been like 12 or 13 by the sound of it, um, had brought their headmaster and it said, uh, they could see this really composed, like educated man, their headmaster just lying face down on the floor, um, weeping under the power of God and the two girls sitting down on either side of their headmaster saying, uh, this is the Jesus that saved us yesterday. This is the one that we came to know yesterday. Give your heart to him, like just encouraging their headmaster. I just think that's awesome because, yeah, it should be cross-generational. It should be for um, every single person to find their place. So I think the third thing that I was super inspired about was Donald's intimacy with the Lord. And that probably was what hit in my heart the most. Um, the Lord had his full heart and his full devotion, so much so that when a very important man who was leading this huge revival came to find him and interrupt his prayer time, he just like shrugs him off and he's like, sorry, I'm speaking to the Lord. So can you imagine if, for example, like you're in your prayer closet, wherever that may be, and you're having your prayer time and Reinhard Bonnke or Bill Johnson comes to find you and is like, knock, 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 hey, Aaron, just wanted to chat about some things that are happening. And you're like, I'm so sorry, Reinhard. I'm, I'm so sorry, Bill. I'm just in chats with Jesus. So I'll be with you soon. <laughs> I would like to think that that would be my response. I I don't know if my heart is where Donald's is fully. Um, Jesus, help me, continue to perfect me. Um, but his heart was just so sold out for the Lord. Um, and I was very, very encouraged and inspired by that. Charles Spurgeon says, you are before the Lord. Let your words be few, but let your heart be fervent. And that that is really, I feel like, the prayer that comes out of Donald's life. So let me pray for you before we go, but I hope that Donald's life has encouraged you and felt like, you know, you don't need to be qualified um, to pray for revival. You don't need to be in some kind of weird spiritual hierarchy, Christian hierarchy to pray for revival. Literally, the Lord is just asking sons and daughters, laid down lovers to come and pray. So Holy Spirit, we just pray I pray, Father, that the testimony, the testimony of Donald's life um, would break down any religious constructs that we have in our hearts about how you can or how you want to use our prayer lives. I pray, Holy Spirit, that we don't have to be, you know, that we would know that we don't have to be of any age or any number of years in Christ to be an effective intercessor for revival in our cities and nations. I thank you that we all have access to see the Father through the sacrifice of Jesus and that we are all qualified by your Spirit to hold 
prayers in our mouths that bring breakthrough in cities and regions just like Donald. I pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would carve a hunger in our hearts that leads to the devotion that Donald had to sit at your feet and develop intimacy with our Father that allows this breakthrough anointing to sit upon us so that in our generation, in our streets, in our cities, and in our nation, we will see revival. I pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. 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 